The Interrobank podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Interrobank podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. Where the hell have you been, Loka? That intro was for me because I had COVID last week and we did not get a new episode. But hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. We're going to have some fun today. But first, here's a look at what's making news this week at Fanshawe. The London police kicked off their annual Project Learn earlier this month. Students can expect to see an increased police presence in their neighborhoods until September 24th. Members of the LPS Auxiliary Unit will be visiting students to educate them on partying safely and respectfully. The LEARN program has been a fixture in the city for 15 years, and last year led to 15 provincial offense notices, one Reopening Ontario Act charge, eight bylaw notices, and two arrests under the Liquor License Control Act. Fanshawe has partnered with the Gender Equality Coalition of Ontario to bring a technology skills training and development program to the college. The program strives to teach women, women-identifying people, and non-binary individuals the essential tech skills needed in today's job industries. According to the manager at Fanshawe Corporate Training Solutions, Heather Carey, the eight-week program will help bridge the gap between employers and their need for skilled workers. Carey says for each program they offer through CTS, there's a unique feature of skills development. For this program, they're looking at ability and disability, including mental health. You can learn more on our website. A new partnership is bringing esports to the national forefront. Fanshawe's Ultimate Esports League, also known as Fuel, has joined Esport Canada Post Secondary. ECPS is a new national initiative to bolster post secondary esports programs. Fanshawe's own esports coordinator, Tyler Hetherington, will also sit on the advisory board as council chairperson. Hetherington says joining ECPS alongside programs across the nation will help to continue to bring esports to the forefront of Canadian post secondary programming. You can read more right now on our website. Now, by this time, I hope that you've had a chance to pick up the latest issue of Interrobank. This was our geek issue. This is an annual theme that we've done for many years now. Um, And one of the things I love about this issue is that it doesn't just deal with your typical geeky, nerdy interests, your Star Treks, your video games, your Avengers. We're looking beyond that and asking what is it that you personally geek out over? And what it ends up leading to is an issue that's full of just a diversity of interests. So we had writers who wrote about meal prepping. We had writers who wrote about YouTube channels. Um, And then we did have your sort of standard gaming, gaming laptops, et cetera, et cetera. All of that is covered in the latest issue. So what I wanted to do today on this episode is just keep that momentum going and invite a couple of writers onto the show to talk about some of the articles that we featured in this issue. So we're going to geek out. I hope you enjoy this conversation because we had a lot of fun. Uh, Kate Otterbein, Ben Harrietho, welcome back to the Interrobang podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. This is kind of a fun episode because we just had our geek issue come out last week. Um, which I thought turned out so amazing. Did you guys get a chance to look through it? Yes. The cover is amazing. Yes. I love that cover. If I want to, if I could just talk about the cover for two seconds, 
Um, Brianna Brissett, our graphic designer, designed this particular cover. She bought, like, she volunteered for it. She really wanted to do it. And um, my my only prompts were like, okay, I, it was a, the girl in the picture is inspired by like Lo-Fi Girl, you know? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that was Lo-Fi Chill Beats to study to. Baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I feel like children of the internet will understand this reference. Um, but then we kind of took that and she did her complete own spin on it. Um, and then we just wanted to like fill her room with all these references to things that were in the paper. So like you see, there's like a Twilight book on her shelf and there's a boy band cover um, and like her gaming laptop and everything. So ever, it's just, it's full of Easter eggs, which I love when we get the chance to do that. So I'm so glad you guys like it too. It's a good cover. Yeah. The, uh, I really like, I mean, it, it just, it looks great. It pops because it's mm -hmm. very colorful. I think that like, uh, there's not like so many newspaper covers are just like boring. Like you look yeah. at a newspaper and it's just like, you know, here's the news. Whereas this one, it's like, you open it up. Look, there's Pikachu, man. Yeah. That's the other, that was the other thing too, is that like the, the, the renders that we put on there yeah. look really good. Like yes. they look really natural. They don't yeah. look like that we just slammed them in yeah you know? yeah totally well yeah it was supposed to feel like you know she's here like she's playing her game but then behind her like all the characters are coming to life just outside mm -hmm. and you know like adventures everywhere that kind of thing um so yeah i'm really i'm really stoked with how that one turned out um so with that i wanted to go through and just kind of chat about and geek out over some of the stuff that we wrote on for this issue um and maybe we'll start, maybe we'll start with boy bands because this was a concept that Kate, you started working on back in the summer and we kind of had gone through and said like, okay, these are maybe some of the bands that we wanted to feature. Um, was there any band for you that you felt like you really wanted to include on that list? Well, for me, it was definitely Five Sauce and One Direction, mm -hmm. um, Five Seconds in the Summer for anyone who doesn't know, because... <laughs> I don't know they were just like my my teenage years were filled with them and they are iconic in my mind but then I also wanted to make sure I got like you know the Beatles in there and just like the the older ones but my wow. my most exciting ones were those two <laughs> I wondered if we were gonna get any like controversy for referring to the Beatles as a boy band see well that's what I was like I mean I think we even talked about this at the meeting I was like are they a boy band because okay with like controversial <laughs> opinion to me five sauce isn't a boy band either mm -hmm. because like boy bands don't play their own instruments and the beatles play their own instruments too so i would put them in the same category as like a band yeah but, i mean they are technically a band full of boys so yeah <laughs> i'd argue that i'd argue the beatles are like the first boy band yeah honestly. i'm kind of of that mindset too but i'm curious to hear your reasoning ben um i just think it's it was the it was the culture around them i think yes. is what makes them a boy band and not yes. just like a rock band yeah um because like you can totally look at other bands from that time period you know and and it wasn't the same as the beatles no you know no. say what you will about the beatles but like no one was going crazy that crazy over the beach boys or something like that as you know young women were over the beatles yeah yeah and, i I think and the fan base is just very similar to like modern day boy bands now. Yeah, exactly. I think that was one of the things that you kind of, one of the conclusions that you came to in your article, Kate, was that um, 
the the fans the fans are kind of part of what makes a boy band a boy band that like young female audience um having having a group of men or young men who appeal specifically to that group and that demographic and i think with the beatles too yeah as the first band to kind of embody that because the way that they were managed and like the the structure of their career really was like the blueprint for kind of all future pop acts when you think about like the rate at which they were releasing music um touring constantly um and even just like the transition from like breaking in america like and there was no blueprint for that at the time so i i kind of and then the merchant like merchandising i think would be the other big thing like they were literally on everything my stepmom my stepmom remembers like they used to sell like Beatles wigs that you could like win. Like she, and she thought it was like, she was like too cool for school. She, she was like, Oh my God, that's so cringy. Um, I mean, and it, I, it is, but, uh, <laughs> but like, that's the kind of thing. And then I see, you see it reflected down the line. I think, you know, I'm sure staunch like rock fans would not enjoy the comparison, but I, there is a lot of crossover for me between like the Beatles and one direction. Oh, for sure. Especially because, I mean, like, at some point, the obvious, they're both British. Mm -hmm. But it's also, like, I mean, I feel like even in the One Direction movie that they did, they talked about, or, like, interviewers talked about how technically we didn't see that kind of insanity since the Beatles. Yeah. A lot of boy bands, like, One Direction kind of had the same vibe. So I was, like, very present in the early days of the One Direction fandom. Um, I remember the first time they came to Canada and I like, I was like in my fifth year of high school by then and I skipped school so I could go see them, uh, yes. much music. And this is when they were touring with like big time rush. I want to say, <laughs> can you imagine a world where like one direction is opening for big time? Rush? That's, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 2012, great. such a different time. Um, but yeah, like it was, it was like true pandemonium. And I don't think there was anything else you could have compared it to other than Beatlemania. Beatlemania. Maybe the, the only other thing prior to that, that I remember was like, maybe like Bieber fever, you know, remember that? See, yes. But it also still wasn't that he wasn't as big. Mm. It feels like, like he was like, I mean, he definitely was big. Don't get me wrong, but I feel mm. like he didn't have that same grasp because maybe it's just because there's only one of him you know whereas five yeah. of them it appeals to more people that's so true More like oh i'm a i'm a harry girl oh i'm yeah. a liam girl i'm a now girl whatever it is oh, imagine being a liam girl Sorry. I, uh... <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that <laughs> i i also just maybe this is a subjective opinion obviously but i also think with the bieber fever and stuff one direction just made better music like Agreed. their music was just way better than justin bieber's music like that guy I, I none of the songs justin bieber has ever put out have i been like yeah this is pretty good but man <laughs> one direction has some bops they got some bangers they do and i think I, there there's something kind of like like I, one direction always had almost like a rock influence in their music oh, yeah. too you midnight know, like, memories that was yeah. like monumental yeah yeah yeah, there were all even like what makes you beautiful. It's like you didn't have boy bands that were doing like guitar driven pop songs at that time, other than like the pop punk bands of like my era, of like the early 2000s and stuff. 
but even mm -hmm. that was like kind of very different in its like in the way that it was sold right there was something very universal about because they were good boys you know they were just good harmless boys good boys yeah little guys <laughs> just little guys and how many of them even have a career now harry styles obviously oh he's yeah, yeah. i feel like he's, he's all i mean he's he's got a pretty decent musical career but his acting career is kind of in the dumps Aww. his new movie sucks my poor my poor boy trying it with the acting yeah it's not working i he was heard great in the other movie though i forgot uh, dunkirk he was good yeah. in dunkirk but yeah. he, i just don't, he's not a leading person i don't think he's not a leading man I think uh, it just seems uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like what out of his element. He's That's a very that... charismatic person, but oh, like he's so funny. He should do stand up. His his like droning uh I can't I don't even want to do an impression, but like <laughs> somehow his his delivery would be so slow. <laughs> <laughs> See, he he, he is like... a very slow talker. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. But uh yeah, I don't know, like I mean, Liam has a career in that people make fun of him. <laughs> I actually think I actually think Niall had like a he had a few radio hits a couple oh, yeah, years ago. Oh yeah, he's thriving or was thriving. Now he's yeah. trying to golf, but yeah, he's always golfing. Go off, King. Yeah, I like his Zane... romance with Louis Capaldi. Also, yeah. yes. Oh my goodness, <laughs> they were supposed Zane, to play he, like, on had... Thursday he like had something going there for a bit yeah, he did and then and then he just fell off the face of the earth again yeah like it was it was like he separated had like a decently successful solo career for a bit and mm -hmm. then you just never heard from again but yeah i think probably everyone in that in one direction probably made so much money that it doesn't matter they don't ever really have to do anything again <laughs> probably i think there was a time actually didn't you mention this in your story kate that at one point they were like the highest earning under 20s or something like in Forbes bags like, yeah I want to find it now um One Direction One Direction were named the fourth highest earning celebrities in the world by Forbes yeah 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 they were doing all right once upon a time <laughs> yeah like when you're making that much money you can kind of do whatever the hell you want yeah 100 percent Louis has a new album coming out soon like he's yeah. still touring stuff like I mean I feel like they're all even if it might not be as big for some of them. They're still mm -hmm. creating, which is kind of nice. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, nice. and like you said, everyone, each one of them had their own individual following, right? So like, mm -hmm. even if, even if they garnered zero new fans, they were always going to have that like core base. Oh yes. Yeah. I think I see that with Louis, especially they're like Louis girls are fierce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was there. He was my favorite for a minute. <laughs> for a minute? Are Just you for a minute. Now? I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> I have soft spots, I think, for all of them. I don't think I, I outright hate any of them. Any, like, I have problems with all of them for different reasons. <laughs> but I do, I also, like, will always love them. Uh, and, like, when you love something um, at, at, like, a formative time of your life, I think it's very hard to, like, ever fully let go of it. Oh, for sure. That's why I'm still a Five Sauce fan a little yes. bit. Yes. <laughs> well, and this kind of segues perfectly into uh, Twilight, <laughs> for me anyway. Because <laughs> um, that, for me, was like peak formative years, as in I was like 13 when I first read them. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I was kind of reading over the article that I'd written again about the Twilight Renaissance, and there were parts of it where I was like, I feel like I'm talking about 
how I think society was reacting to Twilight, it very much could have just been me. <laughs> like my experience with it, um, like coming up with it in online fandoms and like passing the books around, that might've just been my experience, but I don't think it was. I don't know. Kate, like, did you go through a Twilight thing or were you, is it like too late for you or too early for you? See, here's the thing. I tried, but it was too early for me in the sense that like I was told I wasn't allowed to read them. So like I <laughs> still have not read them because in my mind, I'm still 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, Now, Ben, we had kind of talked yesterday a little bit about Twilight. You, you yeah. said you've seen the movies like once upon a time. Yeah, it was, I watched them when they came out, basically, yeah. because my mom and my sister were a big fan of the series, so yeah. I got dragged along to go see them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Twilight was not my jam as a no. kid. I was much more of a, I think at that point, I was actually a Hunger Games kid. Um, That's a good place to be, too. Hung, I, those books actually slapped. They're, like, They're so good. I reread them, and the books are actually amazing. Yeah. The movies, yeah, I've we seen, don't talk about like, those. Uh, you know what's funny is like there's kind of a new trend, kind of in the in the same vein as like the Twilight Renaissance, of Gen Z thinking that uh, Hunger Games: Catching Fire is like the best movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like I I think out of all three installments, it is my favorite. That's is that the second one or the third? The one? The second one, yeah, the second one. The, I remember the second one being really good because they kind of did nail. Because, like, I don't know, they take out a lot of uh, Katniss's, like, like I don't know, like, I don't want to say edge, but more mm. like tooth, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because in the book, she's, like, straight up just, like, like done the yes. entire time. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. Like, she she basically resigns herself to die immediately. <laughs> uh, and and she's just done with all, like, the capital nonsense. And, it's, and they just kind of take it out. She just kind of quietly, like walks along and is like okay i'm gonna go do this now yeah right yeah i think i think i just well and actually this kind of came up in the twilight article too was that you know twilight kind of ushered in a whole era of like why like peak ya franchises you know and like harry potter had kind of started it already um but by the time twilight petered out I think people had kind of started to get over their like fantasy uh YA as well as like Harry Potter ended, Hunger Games was ending, you know, um I mentioned like the Maze Runner and Divergent, both of which were like scrapped. They started those series and then just were like no, no one wants these. Um and I wanted them. <laughs> Maze okay, Maze Runner had some really good potential. It had some really cool ideas. Yeah. And the movies are actually not that bad. I've, I've never seen them. I've I tried. I've seen them. Well, I don't know. I love Dylan O'Brien, so maybe. Yeah, Dylan O'Brien is cool as hell. I love Dylan <laughs> O'Brien. Uh, I will stand by that Divergent was trash, and it always will be trash. I, <laughs> I yes. Go off. I, like I, I remember reading it because you know when you when you're at a certain age, you read things or you watch things and or you listen to things, and you just. You don't have like the brain function <laughs> to like have critical thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You kind of just think everything is cool. Um, <laughs> well, if you're being told it's the coolest new thing, right? You're like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Right. And so I I remember even reading Divergent as like a young kid and being like, 
no no this one's bad <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I i've never seen them or read them but i i watched like a video recently talking about like i don't think i ever actually knew the plot and then someone was like explaining the plot to me and i was like that what that is so dumb like that sounds so <laughs> dumb um and i don't even know if i could explain it like ben do you kind of remember what the like story is <sighs> Oh my god! So like, everyone has one thing they're good at or something. Like I. Yeah, everyone. It's like, it's like it it just is just like a amalgam of all the young adult tropes of like, (laughs) character is not satisfied with her life, and they all get put into different parts, and she chooses to go away from the group from the group that she was raised in to go to a different group. And actually, she's the special one. She can pick anyone that she wants, right? And and that's bad, though. The government will kill her for that. And it's just like, what did like? You, there's it's it's just barely a story. Just just tropes <laughs> smushed together. It's just yeah. It's just trope, 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 trope. And then the and she finds like you know, oh, this guy's like mysterious, and he's got a one syllable name, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they yeah. fall in love. It's just, it's, yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, and so this is like the thing with a lot of these, these stories too, is like, I think, I think Twilight kind of got the worst beating at the time. Um, but I think the reason that the kind of renaissance is happening now is that people are recognizing that just on something because young women or older ladies uh, are attracted to it that's not what makes something bad but that's why people hated it there was really not much other reason at the time and i guess like the questionable lore um like you can't just undo vampire canon but i guess now they sparkle like i get it it was weird um but uh no one was talking about the things that were actually wrong with it right like the fact that there's like really weird representation of indigenous characters um a lot of like really sketchy like if you were to rewatch them now edward's edward and jacob's behavior is like just outright abusive at times um toxic toxic, like truly toxic not healthy um and so like and so then that criticism kind of came later once once even fans had to kind of step back and be like okay yeah this doesn't this doesn't hold up too well um and then now it's like we exist somewhere somewhere in the middle of all that where like we know it's bad but we're okay with it right mm-hmm. but i kind of like when things reach that point and that's a so that was like the focus of the article was just like i think it it feels like on the internet sometimes that we can't forgive anything in our media um but somehow some way twilight has a space to like thrive again and i'm here for it <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think another really cool thing is like like the reanalysis of it, the or whatever like like yeah. looking like just looking at it in like a really different lens. Yeah. Um. Did you all know that Stephanie Meyer was Mormon? Like, oh I yeah. Didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There are. I, feel like few, I heard that somewhere. I mean, if you if you read Twilight with the right lens, I and I mean even even without the right lens, you're just paying attention. Um. There are like some pretty blatant uh abstinence arguments right like edward refuses to have sex with bella until they're married um and i was okay i guess we can chalk that up to the fact that he was like from a different time sure 
Um, but then there's like, then there's like anti-abortion stuff later, which is like not like very thinly veiled. Like you could you couldn't miss it. Um, and so it's like the that she was she was definitely infusing some like interesting uh, <laughs> ideologies. <laughs> um, but if you get, but that's once you know that about her, you're like, all right, <laughs> I guess she's just Mormon, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's such a wild thing you like read this book and it's it's like oh you know sexy vampires written by a mormon yeah you know? yeah and it's like it's just man i know yeah <laughs> not what anyone not what anyone expected i think um yeah i wonder how she feels about 50 shades apparently okay so i've i've heard a little bit so she never here's what i kind of here's what i kind of preach about stephanie meyer she had said that she was like you know I don't love that Twilight is now like associated with something so inherently sexual, but she never sued. And I kind of love that for her that she was like, you know what? She could have sued, you know, like that was very clearly Twilight fan fiction, even when they changed all the names. Really? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, like I haven't seen either. So like, I don't, I'm really out of the loop. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey was uh, was a Twilight fan fiction first, and then yeah. basically oh the God. author went, "I could probably make money off of this," yeah. and just switched all the names around. Yeah, it's like after <laughs> exactly. It's exactly like after. Yeah, um, but yeah, the the if I think she recognized like if she had pursued legal action, I think she recognized that 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 would permanently change the way that fandoms create fan fiction. You know what I mean? And I think she recognized that. And so she never, never sued, even though it was like, she, clearly these characters were being ripped off. Um, so in that way, I'm like, you know what? I, I gotta, I gotta respect her for that. She never, she never sued um, when she very much could have. Um, but yeah, Fifty Shades, even, even more unfortunate uh, <laughs> than, that... than, than Twilight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now those, uh, those certainly are books. They are. They sure are books. They somehow fit the criteria. Um, <laughs> did your was your? This is a weird question. Was your mom also into those? Ben, unfortunately. <laughs> um, luckily, that was at an age where I had um, the ability to be like, no, I'm not going to go see that with you. Actually, no. Um, because no. <laughs> yeah that's not something you want to experience with a parent uh no so awkward. not particularly no uh, i didn't and it, it, it the thing with 50 shades too is like twilight it had a pretty broad audience from like young teen girls to like you know older women whatever whole nine yards mm -hmm. um i feel like 50 shades was only that like we're we're, we're targeting like the 35 to 50 yes yeah <laughs> white moms baby yeah 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 yeah. it was for a specific type of person <laughs> i have never met someone under the age of like 35 who has been like man 50 shades was like solid it's i don't think i don't think there'd be a single person no well i just think like i don't know a certain, our generation kind of has a better understanding probably from just like being on the internet of like bdsm and like sex positivity in general that like that was what turned me off the most not just the, the horrendous writing but the fact that i was like i've read 
One Direction fan fiction that is a better representation of BDSM than than these books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh... <laughs> but uh... oh man, and they <laughs> wow. made and they made like three more of those books, know, like so like... many, and then they did them all from his perspective. Like anyone wanted that. <laughs> yeah, and then and then they got adapted at the movies oh. too. Yeah, the films are I, rough. I have to. I don't I, get it. No, that's a that's a whole thing. But again, it was like once those kind of came out, it became very easy to then go back to Twilight and criticize it for the exact same things. Um, which was probably okay that we did that. It was okay that we gave Twilight a second look. Um, but I, yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad that now any fandoms around these things, maybe not so much Fifty Shades of Grey, but we're at least approaching twilight with a little more irony than maybe we yeah. did the first time yes yeah I'm, I'm also glad that we are doing that because yeah. oh, that was a, that was our rabid fandom i would describe it as yeah yeah <laughs> for sure um so on the topic of sort of like online spaces, um, Ben, I really loved your opinion article about elitism in gaming and how it affects game communities. Um, was this something that like you had seen happening that inspired you to write this? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I've been playing games since I was like a wee lad. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I learned to read playing video games because my dad got tired of teaching me how to like just coming in and every time like there'd be a text box I'd be like hey dad can you read this I'd be like I'm not I'm not doing that um but yeah there's totally like just literally in every game community you go to there is just someone who is just being a uh, a total jerk basically yeah. about the most random things um and in the article I center on Dark Souls because that's first off that's like a really popular series a lot mm -hmm. of people know about it and it has um an incredibly toxic community <laughs> uh just a cesspool yeah sometimes and those games are hard like you would want so I would want support if I was like going online for help yeah it, they they are difficult that I mean like so much of it like like the get good which is yes. like a famous meme yeah it, it does come from like a place of well-meaning of like sometimes with these games you do just have to take a step back you have to think about your like your approach and you have to you know go from there yeah but so many times that basically that well-meaning got just boiled down into basically telling people uh get good you know just yeah. play the game better be better jerk like yeah yeah so it, it it and like the the like juvenile spelling too like it just feels very patronizing and i when yeah. i read it in your article i was like ooh, that makes me mad like i would be so mad if someone talked to me <laughs> right <like that." laughs> and why it's... is it necessary like aren't games supposed to be something that people can do to relax and just kind of like chill yes like, have a good time you know exactly yeah and yeah. and the 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 thing about Dark Souls that's fun, it's like, and because people are like, why are you playing Dark Souls if it's so hard and so difficult? That's probably not that fun. No, the fun part is overcoming that difficulty. But when yeah. it's like, when you're having a really hard time and you, you know, you've spent like two hours on a boss and you go to talk to someone and be like, hey, you beat this boss really easily. How do I beat it? And they would reply with just be better at the game, idiot. <laughs> like It's like, 
it's not the game that makes me want to spike my controller it's the it's that yeah yeah well and you might not that might deter like you mentioned in your article like that might deter new people from wanting to play the game yeah no totally i know so many people who just don't uh who just don't play the souls games because they're like eh, uh, the community sucks and yeah. i've heard they're way too hard and really maybe this is just because i've played a lot of them but like they're not that hard. <laughs> they they just they just they take time. They take patience, and yeah. a lot of people just don't have time patience. To play right, them. right. Um, but you know, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then one aspect I didn't actually get to talk about, I I wanted to talk about in the article, I just couldn't figure out a way to kind of weave it in there. Yeah, was like a big thing in PC gaming actually is, um, like your peripherals, mm. because. When it comes to console gaming, you know, you buy your console, you buy it, it, in in there, you got your controller, you're done. You don't have to worry about everything else. But people get so uppity in PC gaming communities about, you know, oh, you don't have a good keyboard. You don't have a good mouse. Mm -hmm. Your headset set is, is, is crap, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, you know how expensive some of these peripherals are? Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. The first like, looking... thing that came to my mind was classism. I was like, that is so classist. Yeah, looking at like some of the stuff I have on my desk, I don't even have top of the line stuff, but like my headphones cost me $80. My my keyboard was 150. My mouse was 80. Mm. Like and that's not even again, like like my monitors, both of them cost me together total like $600. It's <laughs> it's not cheap to be a PC gamer and then when yeah. people just are like, "Oh, you don't have a good enough keyboard to play this game." It's like bro yeah, yeah, buy, yeah buy one for me then right well it's like maybe i'm not going to like an esports championship and i just want to like play my game at home and like have a good time yeah dude i just like i just want to have a computer that have a keyboard that makes a nice clicky noise when i click it and it feels <laughs> good to play video game on yeah yeah you know oh my god yeah so. no for sure I am not a gamer, but I too want a keyboard that has nice clicky sounds. <laughs> I feel like yes. that's a universal, that's a fair desire for anyone to have. That's actually, that's actually one of my, uh, I, I love that that has become more of a thing <laughs> thanks to gaming is mechanical keyboards because they are so nice to type on. It is like unreal how gorgeous mechanical keyboards feel in comparison to like a cheap membrane keyboard. I'm going to put it um, in the Interabang budget. As writers, I think we need this. Totally. I, I did actually, I actually bought a mechanical keyboard explicitly for work because I hated the keyboard they gave me at my desk. So I went to, I went to Staples and bought like a, like a, like a, not cheap, but like, uh, and one that would be quiet too, because certain switches are louder than other switches. Like, uh, mm. this might not come through on my, on the mic, but that's that's my keyboard and that's loud <laughs> i i kind of got it but then i got an yeah. email i got an email at the same time and that's what all i heard in my headphones <laughs> oh okay it's not your fault yeah no it's just yeah certain switches are louder and yeah some people like the clicky clackiness of it but uh definitely for an office setting that's not great yeah well and we had kind of talked to ben about like like console hierarchy mm -hmm. um and that i i sometimes feel like like PC gaming is kind of viewed as like the if you were to game that would be the most elite option. Yeah, I think I think for a bit there it was. Yeah. 
that would be i think like early 2000s mm. right around like the ps2 xbox era mm. i would say it was 100 some of the greatest games ever made came out on pc around that time yeah but now whatever man pc gaming is expensive <laughs> yeah right it's expensive but console gaming is also kind of expensive now too uh, right i just I, I bought a ps5 like last year and it did cost me like 800 dollars, <laughs> which is uh ooh, baby that's a lot um but no it, 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 the consoles have caught up like if you want to play console you can play console if you want to play you know pc you can play pc play the switch like i don't know I've been doing nothing but playing my Switch recently because Splatoon 3 came out and that oh, game's yes. fantastic. I'm going to be playing the new uh, 3D SpongeBob game. I don't know if you saw the latest Nintendo oh, Direct, but they're yeah, doing the... a new 3D SpongeBob. Yeah, they're doing a sequel to Battle for Bikini Bottom. That was my absolute as a child. Like, I, I... love that game so much. <laughs> no, I played that on the PS2. It's my stuff. <laughs> I love that. Uh... I, too, will be playing that game. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interrobang Podcast. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For the Interrobang, I'm Hannah Theodore. The Interrobang podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply.